Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Minister Thelma. I truly appreciate it. I am, I am so grateful once again to be with you here on the prayer line. I'm grateful for Hightower International Ministries, everyone who is associated with it. I'm grateful for uh, my dear friend and sister, Minister Mary Lou Brown, grateful for her heart, her love of the Lord, and her desire to do his will. Uh, and as I said, I'm grateful for everyone who is a part of and associated with that you would be so uh, humble and willing to accept me and my wife as we've been with you uh, several times now here in the first quarter of this year, as well as the last quarter of last year. I believe we were with you twice in December. And since the beginning of the year, we've been with you three times. This will be my fourth time as we start the second quarter. And I'm, I'm grateful uh, for the opportunity. I never take it lightly when the Lord allows me to minister at any point in time, whether it is with our own church here in Frisco, Texas, uh, whether it is here on the prayer line, whether it is at another ministry, no matter whether it is uh, on a Zoom call overseas like I was earlier today uh, and earlier last week, it, it, it doesn't matter. I'm grateful that he has allowed me the privilege of simply being a tool in his hand simply to be a megaphone that he might amplify his voice to the nations. And so we're, I'm grateful, as I said once again, to be with you. Grateful for this opportunity. And I believe that I uh, have a word for you from the Lord. Uh, as the Lord highlighted, a message that uh, I actually recently taught our church in March of, of this year. Uh, March 19th was the first day I taught it. So it's fairly recent. But when um, I checked my schedule and saw that I was able and the Lord gave me the okay to come tonight, this is the first message he mentioned. And so I believe it is something that he wants us to hear, something that we'll grab hold of for tonight. So if uh, you're with us and, you know, maybe this is your first time hearing me. Uh, my name is Ronnell Tate. I am the lead or senior pastor and founder, along with my wife, of the Father's House here in Frisco, Texas. Well, yes, we have a church, but we are more an apostolic center where we also have a house of prayer. We're a teaching ministry. We are a covering ministry. We simply are desiring to be what the Lord wants us to be in this generation and this hour, what he needs, wherever that may be. And so uh, that's who we are. And I don't want to belabor the point or take too much of your time tonight. So I would like to pray and jump right into the word of the Lord for us. Father, we love you. And we are ever so grateful for the opportunity that you've given us to be like Mary. 
in Luke 10 and sit at your feet. We come before you tonight, sitting at your feet with great expectancy, great anticipation for what you would say to us. For we know that one word spoken and one word received and one word taken into our lives, it can transform us, it will transform us. So we thank you for what you desire to say to us. And more than that, we thank you for your desire to transform us tonight, that we would bear your image, that we would live this life in your likeness, that the earth around us, that our neighborhoods, our cities, our states, our regions, our nation would be changed by the power of Christ that resides in us by the power of his transformation within us. So we thank you for this Friday night, April 21st, 2023. Knowing this is the only April 21st, 2023 that we will ever see. So we push in right now. After a full week, as we come to the end of the work week, we push in to you. We sit at your feet, the only needful place to hear and receive of you. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you remove all distractions that would hinder the word from being received and digested. That you stop every attack of the enemy to stop us from receiving, hearing, and taking in your word. And I, as your son and as your servant, surrender my mouth, my mind, my will, and my emotions to you. That you might speak through, move through this vessel of clay. That you might be glorified and honored. Have your way tonight. Do what you desire. Let deliverance come. Let healing come. Let freedom come. Let revelation come and insight. Let illumination take place inside of us that we might live in the spaces and places that you desire for us. That we might live higher than we've ever lived in all of our life. That the latter days that are ahead of us would be lived in great glory because you have shown us your way. We thank you. We honor and magnify you now in Jesus name. Amen. As I mentioned, I originally taught this message a month ago. As since um, those of you who were with us in December, I believe I spoke um, two, was it two weeks in a row maybe I spoke or something like that and I spoke I know on one of those Fridays if not both I spoke on the fear of the Lord and I made mention to the fact that I believed that 2023 would be this year that the church the body of Christ at large, 
not just in the US, but yes, in the US, but in the UK, the continent of Af uh, Africa, South America, Asia, all over the Middle East, no matter where you can think of, that the body of Christ as a whole would need to come back into this place of walking and living in the fear of the Lord. I've said that I believe that it was paramount for us, not only in 2023, but in the years ahead. It would be paramount that we live in the fear of the Lord. And I just had this scripture that I'm sure you have heard knowing Minister Brown multiple occasions that just dropped in my heart as I'm saying this. Here is why we will need to live in this space and place of the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 60, and this is not a scripture in my notes. He says, arise and shine for your light has come. And he says, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. But look at what he says, verse two. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. We are seeing this happen today and aspects of this taking place today. For behold, the darkness, he says, shall cover the earth and deep darkness, the people. People will be clothed in deep darkness. But he says, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The, the reason that if you read that, that the fear of the Lord will be necessary, not only today and in the days to come, is because we are going to live in a day and an hour where there will be darkness covering the earth. And yet the Lord says in Numbers 14, 21, that it is his desire that his glory covers the earth. Darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness will fill the hearts, the minds, the, the eyes of the people. But he also writes and prophesies that the glory would reign as well. We will live in a day where there will be darkness like we've never seen, but there will also be glory like we've never seen all at the same time. There will be a glory and a latter rain and a pouring out of God like we have never seen in the midst of darkness that has never existed on the earth. And if we don't walk in the fear of the Lord, I fear that many, many more than today will be swept up in the darkness because they are not walking in, by and through the fear of the Lord. We know in Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, and this scripture also is not part of my notes for tonight. <laughs> he asked the people or the disciples asked Jesus. He says, tell us what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Jesus says to him, Take heed, this is the New King James, that no one deceives you. 
This, this is the first statement of the signs of the end times that Jesus says, see that no one deceives you. In our day today, deception is running rampant in ways that I don't know that I have seen in my life here. And I am 51. I don't know if you have seen it. Those who may be older than I am or even in the same generation. Deception. He says, see that no one deceives you. He says, for many will come in my name. Saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. See, if we read that just as it was translated and leave it at that, that many will say, I am the Christ. Um, it's not really a lot of deception, so to speak, because we are looking for that. We are looking for the David Koresh's and the uh, Jim Jones of days gone by who said that they were Jesus and they led cults. We are looking for those types of people. We are looking for, uh, I remember there's a man who was in Florida and I believe he died not too long ago, but he was telling people that he was Jesus. And, and as being Jesus, he was doing away with sin and we could live whatever life we wanted. We're looking for that. Maybe there's a deeper connotation than just someone saying, I am Jesus Christ. Maybe it is people who saying, I am coming in the anointing of Jesus Christ. I am coming in the name of Jesus Christ. I am coming as a servant of Jesus Christ. And I bear the title of prophet or apostle or, or, or pastor or teacher. I carry evangelist, one of these names, but yet I am a deceiver. I don't really surrender. I don't really yield my life to Christ. And so I'm able to deceive many. He goes on to say, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. We are having this happen in lightning fast speed in our day right now. We have heard of more threats of war. We know of the conflict and the war in Ukraine with Russia. But we are he hearing of more rumors and jockeying for position. We are seeing more nations send off bombs and doing military exercises in our day than ever. And then within nations, within our own nation, we are seeing wars. We're seeing people warring against one another. We're seeing racial tensions. We're seeing political tensions. We're seeing gender tensions. We're hearing wars and rumors of wars. But listen to what Jesus says. See that your heart not be troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. We will have to have the fear of the Lord to live in the days that are on tap, where we yield to only one, 
We obey the voice of the master, even when it does not make sense to us, the fear of the Lord, where I don't look to this world for my clues. I don't look to this world to guide me and lead me in the ways that only Jesus can. I don't look to this world to give me the keys of the kingdom for only Jesus has those. So I obey him and alone. He says in verse seven, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences. And we're seeing this and earthquakes in various places. In the last year, how many earthquakes have we had? In the last six months, how many earthquakes have we had in numerous places all over the globe? And Jesus says this. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. He said, this is the beginning. Then he says in verse nine, and I'll end here for this part. Then they, cause I could go through the whole chapter, but that's not what I came to teach tonight. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. He's telling you that they the nations will begin to war against Christians. We're beginning to see the rumblings of this in our own nation. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Do we also have further scripture? Revelation chapter six, verse nine tells us when it says that the souls of the martyrs well, underneath the throne of God, they have a front row seat to the Father. They are right next to him. Those who have given their life for the sake of the king and the kingdom. And they cry, the Bible says, cry out to him night and day. When will you avenge us of those who have done this? And it says that the Father says, not yet, not yet. Why? He says, for the number of your brethren is not yet fulfilled. Which tells us this, this statement that Jesus makes, that they will give you to tribulation and kill you, that there will be believers who are martyred in our day, in our lifetime, for the kingdom. And he says, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. All the nations will rage. You're beginning to see it. All the nations will rage against God's people. Israel is chosen. And the believers, the Christians. And if we do not fear the Lord, if we do not walk in the reverential awe, the wonder the terror and the dread of the Lord. If we do not, we won't make it through those days. We will walk away from the Lord because it will be because of the intensity of it. And so tonight, I wanted to start with that. Or oh, I believe the Lord did. Those weren't, those passages weren't in my notes. For us to see the necessity of walking here. But tonight, 
I believe my assignment for you is to give you the blessings of living in the awe and wonder of God. Awe and wonder, two definitions of the fear of the Lord. The blessings of them. I, I don't know. I have 10 written down. I don't know if we'll get to all 10, but there are so many more than this. And the reason I, I believe the Lord wants me to bring the blessings to you is to, so that you will see how true the scripture is in Isaiah 11.3, where it is said of Jesus that he delighted in the fear of the Lord, where you and I will delight in the fear of the Lord. Well, we will delight in it because every good and perfect gift comes from him. Everything that we desire comes from him. All of eternity will be spent worshiping him. He is it. And so no matter what takes place to us, against us and with us here on this earth, he is still king and he is everything and that there are blessings for us in this life, on this side of eternity, for walking in and living in the awe and wonder of God, the fear of the Lord. So the very first one that I want to give us, if, you're, if we're taking notes, it is the requirement of God the Father. Requirements are, are important. As parents, we have requirements for our children to be part of our family and live within our household. And oftentimes they don't know any better. They just do what they've been taught since birth. But once they become older, let's say once they're able to be on their own, they will understand better. It's in order to stay here in my home at this point, you will either need to be enrolled in school or doing whatever the requirements may be. We, we go to the house of the Lord every Sunday in this day. We worship together. We do this. These are the requirements for being in, in our home. And the blessing for them is they, they have a roof over their head. They have a room. They have bed. They have food. They have access to various things that you have already provided and don't have to do it for on their own. And for us as believers, however long you have been a believer, however long you have walked with the Lord, at some point in time, if not the entire time, it should be the entire time, you have sought the Lord for the provision for your life, for the covering for your life, for him to bless you, to pour out, to protect you, to do so many different things. And yet if we want to know some ways that are surefire to make sure that the Lord is active in my life, active with his goodness abounding for me and towards me, I must fulfill the requirement of living in the fear of the Lord. Deuteronomy 10:12 in the New American Standard. This is Moses. And Moses is 
talking to the children of Israel. And Moses is preparing them to enter into the promised land. We all like promises. I like promises of the Lord. Moses says to them, you're going into the promise. Now, what does the Lord require? See, sometimes we in our society today, there, there's so many things that we can obtain without work, without a price being paid. We think that the kingdom can be this way. We think that because when I was a baby in Christ, the Lord just loved me and things just happened for me in an easy fashion, so to speak, that we expect this to always be that way in the kingdom, even as I am growing up and maturing in Christ. But it's not that way. It's not that way naturally. We don't treat five-year-olds the same way we do one-day-old infants or two-month-old infants or six-month-old infants. We don't treat a five-year-old the same way. There is an expectation on the five-year-old that would never be placed upon the six-month-old. There are certain requirements that we place upon the five-year-old that we would never place upon the six-month-old. We place no requirement upon the six-month-old. But there's a requirement on the five-year-old. However, the requirement we place upon the five-year-old is not the same requirement that we would place upon the ten-year-old. We wouldn't place the same requirements that we put on the ten-year-old on the five-year-old. Nor would we place the requirements that we place upon the 15-year-old on the 10-year-old like the 10-year-old requirement is not on the five-year-old. And it's the same way with the 20-year-old. There's certain requirements, expectations that we would not place upon the 15 down to 10, 5, 6 months. It's the same way in Christ. I'll give you another example. At this point in my walk with the Lord, I said to my wife, I believe last year or the year before, at this point, 25 years of walking with the Lord, there are, there's no reason I said to her that I should not be reading daily 10 to 20 chapters out of the scripture. I'm not two years in where, okay, I read two or three chapters or, or maybe two chapters and, and that's good. There is a greater requirement. We know the scripture. Jesus says to whom much is given, much is required. I cannot be 25 years as I am and, and a pastor, a leader of people, leading other leaders who have ministries and think that it is sufficient, the price is sufficient to say, oh, I'll, I'll just read 
three, four chapters. That's enough. No, no, no. It is, I, I just remember hearing um, Apostle Joshua Selman out of Nigeria say that there are certain places that you've been with the Lord so long, there should not a week go by that you don't fast at least one day, at least one requirements. I'm just highlighting requirements. What is it in your life right now that you, based on the number of years and where you are with the Lord, that you allow yourself certain freedoms that you know you shouldn't? There, there are days when I am so tired that it's been such a long and busy day and it's late by the time my children get to bed and my wife will ask me, are you still going to go to a way to read my Bible? And I will say to her, yes, yes, I am. And it's late, but I must take in his word and allow it to wash me. Because there is this place that I am with him that I cannot, the requirement, I cannot just forsake it and think that I'm going to remain at this level. What are we asking of the Lord? What are we desiring him to do inside of our lives? But we haven't asked him, Lord, what will this cost me? Everything has a cost. We don't go to the grocery store or shopping on Amazon or shopping at the mall if you still go there or shopping anywhere and don't expect to pay a price for the product that you want. And yet we believe that there's no cost for me to have the power of the Lord the glory of the Lord, to have all of these things. Many of you all have heard me tell the story back in um, May of 2021. As I was walking in the hallway of my home and I said to the Lord, Lord, what will it cost me to have another measure of your glory? Because I am aware that anything I'm asking of the Lord, as it pertains to authority, as it pertains to power, to be able to help his people, to touch his people, there's a cost to it. And I said, what will it cost me? And the Holy Spirit instantly asked me, answered me. And he says, you need to give up all sports for the next year. Watching them, listening to shows. I enjoyed sports. I always have since my days as a little boy in Chicago. Watching the Bulls and the Bears, the Cubs, the White Sox. And the Lord said to me, give it up. Why? As I discovered that it had a, too much of my heart 
that should have only been given to the Lord? What would the Lord ask you to give up? For him. The Lord's asked, he said to me, in 2020, I went on a 40-day fast with friends of mine who were in the ministry and they were preparing for uh, a convocation they were doing in Milwaukee. I joined them in the 40-day fast. And after I was done, the Lord immediately began to talk to me. After going to their convocation in Milwaukee and on my way back about fasting for a year, the first seven days of every month, there's a requirement for the glory of God. There's a price to be paid to die to yourself that we might walk in a higher and greater measure of purity than what we've ever known. So the first blessing of living in the awe and wonder of God is that it is the requirement of God. Why is that a blessing? Because if God is requiring it, he will pour something else out. Let me read Deuteronomy 10, 12, and then I'll get to John, John 14, 21, if you're taking notes. Deuteronomy 10, 12, Moses asks Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? You're going into the promised land. You're about to receive the promises. So what is it that he requires for the sake of the promise, to keep it. The first thing, to fear. It's five things Moses gives him here. To fear the Lord your God. One. Two, to walk in all his ways. Three, to love him. Four, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Five, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. The cost of living and remaining in his promise. The cost of having him help you defeat all of his enemies. Is to fear him. To walk in all his ways. To love him. To serve him in everything. And to fulfill his commandments. John 14, 21. Listen to the promise. And I'm going to read this one in the New King James simply because I have two Bibles in front of me and to go back and forth easier and quicker. John 14, 21. Jesus says this, he who has my commandments. Remember, that was one of the requirements as a part of the fear of the Lord that Moses gave Israel. He who has my commandments. Listen to this and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Uh, the thing that we have to know about that is commandments, him giving commandments, this aspect of obedience. Being obedient to the Lord is not about rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. It's love language. He says, you want to know if you really love me? You're obedient to me. You keep my commandments. And anyone you see who keeps my commandments, that's the person who loves me. So in other words, if you don't keep the Lord's commandments, you don't really love him or you don't love him as much as you think you do. 
He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And listen to what he says. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Did you hear that? The promise of fulfilling the requirement of the fear of the Lord is that Jesus and the father will love you in return. One. But two, Jesus will manifest himself to you. Jesus will reveal who he is to you. We're we're asking, Lord, show me your glory. Lord, teach me your ways. Lord, do this for me. Lord, I just want to see you. Lord, I I just want to know you. Jesus says, if you will fear me, if you will keep my commandments, you, you obey me, I know you love me. And the fact that I know you love me now, I will love you and the father will love you. Oh, but I thought, Pastor Ronnell, that the Lord uh, Jesus and the father and the Holy Spirit already love me. Yes, they do. But they will make their love clearly seen and known. Because they will pour their goodness out upon you. Their love will be poured out upon you. You will go places. You will step in the room and people will know the atmosphere has shifted because someone walked in carrying the presence of Jesus, carrying the presence in the heart of the Father, walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The atmosphere just shifted because the manifestation of Jesus is upon this person and the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's going to reveal that love. There will never be a question. Does he love me? No, no, no. He's revealing that love. And he says, and I will manifest myself. I'm going to reveal to you who I am. That's the blessing of fulfilling the requirement of this fear in the Lord. It is the requirement of God the Father. The requirement. Number two. The blessing of living in the awe and wonder of God. It lengthens your life. Ah, How many of us are doing things to better our health? Because we want to live longer. And there's nothing wrong with it. We should. Because the taking care of our body is our responsibility, not the Lord's. And we must know that our spirit, our spirit, is at the mercy of how well we take care of our body. If we don't take care of our body, we could lengthen, we can shorten our life and our spirit will have no other recourse but to leave our body because it's too sick to remain. But he gives us a promise here that walking in the fear of the Lord, hmm, Walking in the way that the Lord tells me, being obedient, keeping his command about my life, lengthens my life. It gives added days to my life. Look at this, Deuteronomy 6, 2. And and I'm going to read verse 1 first as we lead into verse 2. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments. This is New American Standard which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. This is Moses again. That you might do them. This is this. 
that you might do them in the land where you are going to possess. This is about his people being in the earth and in for and taking back territory from the enemies of, of God. And he says, this is how you're going to take it back. This is how you're going to maintain possession of the land. This is how you're going to be fruitful in the promises that God has given you for us as, as intercessors. This is how we will be, have a fruitful ministry of intercession. This is how we will have a fruitful life with our families on the earth in everything that we do, whatever marketplace job you may still have or had. This is how we will help our families be fruitful in their life. He says, I'm teaching you that you might do them in the land where you're going to possess it. Verse two, this is what we're after. So that you and your son and your grandson, he says, I'm teaching you this so that you, your grandson or granddaughter, or, or you, your son, your daughter, your grandson, granddaughters, three generations. Listen to this. Might fear the Lord. Ah, this is not just about me. This is about blessing my lineage. Blessing the generations that come out of me. You, you know, sometimes... I feel that we as believers don't think enough about how my actions and what I do are affect, will affect my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren. Sometimes I don't think we realize that the Bible tells us that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Multiple generations. And that my life, whether serving the Lord or serving the enemy purposely or inadvertently, we don't realize what we're doing to not only our children, our, but our grandchildren and then our great-grandchildren. And how we are either making life for them uh, a benefit. I don't want to say easy, but their life more, more fruitful. And where there is a compounded grace for them because you're walking fully in the Lord by fearing him. Or by my lack of fearing the Lord, I am opening the door for devils and demons to enter into my lineage and afflict my children, my grandchildren and my great grandchildren until someone realizes that this has been going on from one generation to the next generation and to the next generation. And they say enough of this. And they war against the dark side, so to speak, that they might serve the Lord with everything. Moses says, that you, your son, your grandson, might fear the Lord your God. Here's this statement again. To keep all of his statutes 
and his commandments. That's three different verses we've just read on the fear of the Lord. We're keeping his commandments, obeying him, is proof that one, Jesus said that you love me, but it's proof that I am walking in the fear of the Lord. If I'm not obeying the Lord, and we, we, we may say, well, what does the Lord want me to do? And um, I, I just started last week a, another subtopic in this whole fear of the Lord teaching, living in the awe and wonder of God. I've been teaching it all year, this theme, living in the awe and wonder of God. And this past Sunday, I started a new subheading, a topic titled Doing the Will of the Father. We say, well, what is the will of God? Might I say to you that we have 66 books, 1,189 chapters, I believe it is, of God's revealed will. Oftentimes we're asking, what is God's will for my life? I am asking what the unknown will that is not written down in the scriptures is for my life before I have begun to do the known will. Ah, and it does not work like that. Keep my commandments. Moses writes, Jesus says, he who keeps my commandments is the one that loves me. Moses writes again in Deuteronomy 10, 12, to keep the commandments of God and all of his statutes, the known will of God, obey what he has written. And if I am one who it is my heart desire to obey what has already been written to live in the fear of the Lord, keeping his commandments, then the unknown will, what he desires of me to be used by him in the earth, what he's called me to affect and to change, then he will be, he will make known. He says, that you, your son, and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. And here's the promise that your days may be prolonged. It tells me that keeping the commandments of God, walking in the fear of the Lord is a recipe for me to live longer on the earth. As a kingdom citizen, it's a recipe. And I'm not trying to tell you that everyone who's lived a prolonged or long life has been serving the Lord. No, many of them, you have people who have been serving the enemy and he's prolonged their life for what they've done. And some of those people, God prolonged them just so that they might be saved. But Moses is writing here that a surefire way to have the blessing of a lengthened life to walk in the fear of him. If you remember the story of Hezekiah, Hezekiah was told by the Lord to get his affairs in order because he was about to go and sleep with his fathers. He was going to die. 
The Bible says that Hezekiah turned his face after the prophet left, turned his face to the wall and began to cry out and weep and to remind the Lord of the way he has walked in the fear of him. How I have kept your commandments. How I have done what you have told me to do. How I have brought your people back to you and done this. And he cried out. And as the prophet reached the courtyard. I believe it was Isaiah. The word of the Lord came to him. Go to Hezekiah. And say I have heard your cry. And I have seen your tears. And I have granted you. Fifteen more years. Lengthens your life. Living in the awe and wonder of God. Number one, it is the requirement of God our Father. Number two, it lengthens your life. Number three, and I believe we'll like this one. It produces the miracle provision of the Lord. Ah, in this day and in this life, no one can live on the face of the earth without money. Whatever, whatever currency the nation is that you use, whatever it is, all of us must have money to live. It is a tool. It is a weapon. It is not to be loved. It is not to be worshipped. James tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. He didn't say money was evil. He says the love of it is the root of all evil. And in our day that we're living here in the United States, as well as in other parts of the world, the upheaval of money, the upheaval of the U.S. dollar is creating inflation here in the U.S. that we have not seen in decades. And it is creating inflation and and it is creating crashes of currency in other places like they have not experienced in decades and and 50 years, 100, whatever it's been. But the fear of the Lord for the believer, the fear of the Lord produces the miracle provision of the Lord inside of my life. I don't know about you, but today, and everyone is aware that just to go to the grocery store costs so much more than it did last year, the year before, and prior to COVID happening, prior to 2020. What you spent in 2019 and the beginnings of 2020 versus what you spend right now, the difference is astronomical. We need to have miracle provision of the Lord in our life. It is walking in the fear of the Lord, keeping his commandments and statutes that will produce this. Our passage of scripture that we're going to look at for this is 2 Kings chapter 4. Verse 1 through 7. It says this. I'm going to read it in the New American Standard. Simply because that's the Bible that I am uh, reading uh, right now in this uh, in this time. For this you know, part of the year, last five months or so. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. Is everybody with me? 
fear of the Lord produces the miracle provision of the Lord. Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. So it, one of the wives of the sons of the prophets who were in this school of the prophets that Elijah established and were teaching. And now Elisha was over. Your servant, my husband is dead. And listen to what she says. And you know that your servant, Elisha, you know, my husband, your servant feared the Lord. There's the, there's the key. My husband is dead, but you know, my husband feared the Lord. I'm putting a pull upon this right here. He walked in the fear of the Lord. And she says, and the creditor, creditor has come to take my two children to be slaves. What they did in that day and in that, that hour is that if you couldn't pay your debts, they came and took your children from you as payment and then put your children to work as slaves as the payment for your debt. There is a word of the Lord that has gone forth. Um, I believe it was, I know it was last year, but it was a couple of years before that as well from Prophet Tommy Orime that in 2030 that if that we need to be out of debt by 2030 so that they would not come to attempt to enslave our children again it is like this passage right here that the body believers needed to do everything they could during this period of time to clean up their house to get everything in order, to get out of debt, to get rid of these debts so that the creditors wouldn't come and to take our children from us as payment. By 2030, the creditor, she says, has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? The reason she has even gotten to this point where Elisha said, what shall I do is because of the fear of the Lord. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Elisha says, and she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. You know what this tells me also is that right now, everyone on this call, all of us has something in our house that the Lord is able to use to provide miracle provision for us. Every one of us has something that we are not looking at, that we are unaware of, that the Lord is able to use for nothing. Jesus tells us is impossible for him. All things are possible with the father. And nothing is impossible for him who believes in the father. She says, all I have is a jar of oil. Elisha 
says, that's enough. He says, then he said, go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. And he says, and don't get a few, get a lot. Don't just get a couple, get as many as you can. And he says, and you shall go in and shut the door. Don't tell anyone what you're doing. This is between you and the Lord. Just obey and believe. Go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all the vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him. She immediately obeyed the commandment. She went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and they were bringing vessels to her and she poured. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one more. There is not one vessel more. And soon as there wasn't any more vessels, the Bible says, and the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons can live on the rest. There is something that each one of us has in our possession or will have in our possession that the Lord is able is as we walk in the fear of him to bring miracle provision into our lives. Walking in the fear of the Lord produces miracle provision of the Lord. That's number three. Let's keep going. Number four, walking in the fear of the Lord produces divine protection. Walking in the fear of the Lord produces divine protection. Second Chronicles 17, 10. I pray that we're getting something out of the, the word of the Lord tonight. Getting something from the Lord for us. Walking in the fear of the Lord produces divine protection. That's, that's a big one. With our borders being open, with our cities being in chaos, with things happening around us, to walk in the fear of the Lord, not the fear of man, but the fear of the Lord, to be obedient to him, to do what he says, not the fear of the Lord, not going to CNN, NBC, MSNBC, Fox, where they pour fear into us, that we fear what man can do to us versus walking in the fear of the Lord. Jesus said that we are not to fear man whom all he can do is kill the body, but afterwards has no more power. He says, but we are to fear him, the father, whom after he has killed the body also has the power to cast the soul into eternal flames. He says, yes, fear him. But walking in the fear of the Lord produces divine protection. Second Chronicles 17, 10 says this. The New American Standard, one of the different places it uses instead of the fear of the Lord, it uses the dread of the Lord. And it uses that here. This is about Jehoshaphat being king. And it says, now the dread of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the land 
which were around Judah, so that they did not make war with Jehoshaphat. Wow. How tremendous is it to think that there is a possibility that the fear of the Lord can surround my life so greatly that there would be men who are out for evil and no good who would simply stay away from me. It produces divine protection. I remember uh, over 20 years ago, uh, the 23 or so, and it was the very first prophecy that I received in my life. And I remember asking the Lord, I said to the Lord, I've never received a prophecy. Lord, I've seen other people, but I've never received one. I would like to receive one from you. And I said it because that weekend at our church, we had the prophet Dick Mills there. I don't know if you know who Dick Mills is, but, but Dick Mills has gone home to be with the Lord. He went home to be with the Lord several years ago. But Dick Mills was called, they called him the happy prophet. And the reason being is because Dick Mills grew up in the era of, of in the prophets of the 50s, the 40s, the 50s and 60s, when many prophets were doom and gloom prophets. And Dick Mills said, it doesn't take much prophecy to be doom and gloom. All you have to do is read a newspaper and you can see what is taking place. And Dick Mills said, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be this way as a doom and gloom prophet. And so the Lord instructed Dick Mills to go and study the Bible and memorize all of the promises of God in the scripture. And Dick Mills went and memorized by memory all of the promises of God in the scriptures and could pull them off just like that, like nothing. And so when he would go into prophecy for people, he would they people would be brought before him and he would begin to prophesy and he would begin to pull these promises of God and speak into to their life. And on this particular night, he was preparing to prophesy over one of the pastors on staff at the church I attended, his parents who had been in the ministry for 50 years. And as he was preparing to do this, he stopped and he said, hey, you, you. And he was talking about me. And he said, the hand of the Lord is upon your life. He began to prophesy to me. The hand of the Lord is upon your life. And he says, and you will have 24 hour protection seven days a week. And he says, by no matter by whatever means you travel, he says, no evil will befall you. However you travel, by plane, train, or automobile, no matter where you live, no evil shall befall you. And I thought it was a strange prophecy until I grew up and realized that he was saying that I would have divine protection around my life, provided I walked in the fear of the Lord. If I choose not to walk in the fear of the Lord and obey him, all bets are off. And I, I remember 
after this prophecy, I thought it was strange. I, 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 I was like, I don't know what that means. And I, it wasn't the prophecy that you're going to be blessed and you're going to have this and you're going to get this ministry or this house and you're going to, none of that. Some people receive those things. I didn't fully understand it. But I remember the night where it began to be real. Uh, I don't know if it was a year later, six months later. I remember being in Homewood, Illinois. I lived in Chicago Heights. And I worked at uh, Applebee's as a server. And I was a uh, corporate trainer as well. And at this time, I didn't have a car. And so I needed to, during the day when I worked, I could catch the pace bus and get me to work. But in, in, if I worked a night shift, which I didn't do too often, I had to get a ride if I could. And if I couldn't do that, I had to walk from Homewood down Halstead Street to Chicago Heights. And this particular night was a Saturday night, I believe, maybe a Friday night. And I was scheduled to close the restaurant out, which meant the restaurant closed at midnight, but you didn't get out until one or two, maybe it closed, this was Friday, and so it closed at 11. And so we were out a little after 12. But here was the problem for me at that moment, is that because if anyone ever took me home, I would preach the gospel to them. I would share the gospel with people who took me home. And eventually they didn't like that too much. They didn't mind working with me, but once they got off, people didn't want to hear my preaching the gospel. And so they, people wouldn't give me rides home. Even the manager wouldn't give me a ride home. And so this particular night, I had to walk 1, 2 a.m. in the morning. And I can remember when I got to Chicago Heights, I'm getting close to my home. And if anyone knows that area, there's this place where you get to Halstead where it turns into a smaller street or it, there's a fork and you can walk one way and there's just trees around and you come around this other street or you can keep straight. And there's this row of houses down the street. And this night I didn't walk through the wooded area because there's no sidewalks and it's dark. And, and so, uh, I didn't want to walk that way because of a car turn. He may not see me right away. And so I kept walking, but I noticed a car ahead of me, the only car driving on this street. And it pulled over and it was looking. And then all of a sudden it was as if they spotted me and they kind of sped up to get there. And I said, oh, this is not good. I know what this is about. And they pulled over right where I was walking and there were four young men in the car. And I knew they were going to get out to try to rob me. I didn't know how bad it could have ended up. But these young men looked at me. And when they looked at me, it was as if they saw a ghost. Because they looked and all of a sudden they all had a look of terror upon their faces. And they immediately just sped away. Now I know it couldn't have just been me. Because there were four of them and it was just me. They looked at me and they just took off and sped away. That night, that night 
in Chicago Heights, Illinois, is when that prophecy that I was given by Dick Mills began to mean more to me than anything else. It is what is written here in 2 Chronicles 7.10. Now the dread of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the land which were around Judah. So they did not make war with Jehoshaphat. That night, those young men, they didn't just see me, but they saw angels who were surrounding me. The Lord allowed their eyes in that moment to be open to see the angels the guardian angels that have been assigned to my life and there are those that are assigned to all of our lives and have been since our birth around me that they just left and I was able to go home. But I can tell you, I believe that had I not necessarily been walking in the fear of the Lord, I don't know what might have happened that night. But I'm grateful that he has given me his promise. Walking in the fear of the Lord produces divine protection in my life. Number five. And, and maybe I'll do two more after this and then just end. Number five. Living in the awe and the wonder of God or the fear of the Lord produces a purity in my life that stands forever. Psalms. Psalms 19 verse 9. We need this. Uh, it says this. The fear of the Lord. Psalm 19 9. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. Let me read the verse right before it. Verse eight, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord produces a purity inside of me. You know, we pray this out of scripture, out of Psalms 51. Lord, give me clean hands and a pure heart. One of the surefire ways for us to have hands that are clean and a heart that is pure and be a vessel that is fit for the Lord is walking in the fear of him. It produces a purity in my life that forever stands. Why is that so important? Because we know the Lord draws near to those who are pure in heart. Jesus tells us that. We know that the only ones who can stand in the presence of the Lord are those who are holy. We know that he walks with, dwells with, draws near to, pours his goodness out upon those who live a pure life. If I want to make sure that I'm living pure before the Lord and it will last forever. That I will set up a blessing for generations. You will have sons, daughters, grandchildren who are so blessed and they won't understand why they are. And it will be because I lived in purity. 
I live pure before him. One of the things that in this day, over the last couple of weeks that I am talking about, talking with my family consistently about, is living so pure and holy that the Lord would never walk back from us. There would never be a need from him to draw away from us. But to be so pure and holy that the Lord can release measures of power and glory upon us. There are things that the Lord cannot give in an impure vessel. There are things that he cannot do for those of us who are impure. We desire, we have right desires. We look at people and see how the Lord is moving in their life and he's doing things. And we desire it and it's right to desire it. But until we pay the initial promise, the the initial requirement of living pure, of allowing our lives to be holy, we don't talk about it much from the pulpits anymore. Holiness, it is still a requirement in the kingdom of God. When we begin to say, I won't allow my eyes to look at that. I won't allow my ears to listen to that. I won't go around this. I won't be around that. I won't allow this person to come into my home. I won't keep company here. The Lord is drawn. He draws near to those vessels. The fear of the Lord produces a purity in my life that will stand forever. In these days where there are shakings that are going on. It's the pure who will not be shaken. It's the holy who cannot be shaken. The reason we are shaken is because we have things in our life that ought not be. When our lives begin to be cleansed and and made pure before the Lord. The things of this earth no longer matter to us. Because we begin to be consumed with what is in the house of the Lord. We begin to be consumed with what consumes him. And everything about him is holy. Everything about him is pure. We want more of the Holy Spirit in our life than we need to do his nature, which is holy. He is Holy Spirit. And one of the quickest ways there to live and walk in the fear of the Lord. It produces purity that cannot be shaken even in days of great shaking. It cannot be moved in days when all things around us are being moved. The fear of the Lord. Number six. And maybe I'll I'll end with number six. Like I said, there there are more, but I'll end with number six and just maybe give you the, the last four without going into scripture in detail. It comes out of Psalm 25, verse 14. Give me one second. I want to flip over there in the New King James as well. 
the sixth blessing that I have listed for walking in the fear of the Lord. It gives me access to the Father's secrets. As a prophetic intercessor, I want to have access to the Father's heart. As a prophetic intercessor, I want to have access to the secrets that the Father has for my nation, for the nations of the world. Why? Because it aligns my prayer with his heart. Psalm 25, 14. In the New American Standard, it says the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he will make them know his covenant. The new King James says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. Same thing. I want to know the Lord's secrets. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, how should I pray? Lord, what is taking place right now? Why is this going on? Lord, I don't understand this. Lord, what do you see? Lord, what about this? He says his secrets, the secrets within the Lord's heart for not only my life, but my children's lives, my grandchildren, their children and their generation. We can prepare for our great, great grandchildren. We can set up things by accessing the fear of the accessing the secrets of God that will go generations past us because we've walked in the fear of the Lord. Lord, there's a promotion at my job. This is taking place, but we need to know how to do this. But I don't know how to go about this. But the Lord says, I do. And he can put me in places where I am promoted, where I am raised up, where I am lifted because I am able to access his secrets. But the only way for me to access his secrets is to walk in the fear of him. I must have a pure life before the one before. I must hold near to his requirements, keeping his commandments. The Lord is not withholding from us as we think of withholding. He's simply protecting us until we come to a place of living and acknowledging all of his ways. If the Lord were to give us his secrets. When we still don't fully obey him. We might destroy our own lives and the lives of those who are around us. Because we don't obey him at every turn. We don't keep his commandments always. We don't take responsibility. We don't repent continuously. If he gave us certain things. Let me say it this way. For someone who still talks about people behind their back. The Bible in Psalm 15, thank you, Holy Spirit, calls it backbiting. 
It's a verse in Proverbs. It is the willful talking about and tearing down of another's life. And sometimes as believers, we do this. We'll talk about people in private, not recognizing that we're gossiping, not recognizing that we have no right to do this. And if the Lord were to give one of us who is acting like that in that time access to his secrets and give us information about people, about nations, about presidents, oh, the damage we could do because we still have a problem with our tongue behind people's backs. Purity. Might I say, the Bible doesn't, not only doesn't it, doesn't it give us place to talk and, cri and criticize people behind their back, the Bible doesn't even give us a license to even think such things. Which means the thought we may be having is not of God and we ought to cast it down as a vain imagination right away before it ever comes out of my mouth. If the Lord gave me access to certain secrets, maybe as an intercessor, if my heart isn't pure, I wouldn't pray for the individual or nation or whatever like I ought because it would bother me way too much. The Lord is not withholding as we think of withholding. He is showing great mercy to me and protecting me so that I would not sin against him until I would walk fully in the fear of the Lord and now he can trust me with his secrets. He can trust me with his power. He can trust me with another measure of glory. He can trust me with this promotion. He can trust me with wealth. For many of us, we've asked for years, why, Lord? Why haven't you given me money? You've made a promise to me that you would give me this and do this for me. The Lord is not withholding from me because he just wants to withhold. He's upset at me. No, he's being merciful and protecting me because I haven't paid the price and laid down my life in some area to walk in the fear of him that this wealth, this money, this promotion, this esteem wouldn't overtake me and destroy my life. The fear of the Lord is necessary today. There are things that we will pray for, things that we have prayed for, things that we are believing for, and we're asking for that the Lord is unable to give me because I am not walking in the fear of him. To where he can trust me because my life is laid down to release it. The access of secrets is huge to me because we today have the Holy Spirit, which means we have an advantage in this life. We are supposed to be more than overcomers, more than conquerors, because of the advantage that has been given to us in the Holy Spirit. But far too much, too often, we are not walking in the fear of the Lord. We are not walking in his ways, as Moses said. We are not loving him, serving him, keeping all of his commandments and his statutes. That that unfair advantage 
that we would have is able to take effect in our lives because he can't give us his secrets. He can't give us the secrets to the hearts of men that will change men to being destiny helpless for us. He can't give us the secrets that will unlock promotion for us in the places that we are because we haven't allowed, we haven't laid down our lives and allow him to crucify the flesh and walk in purity and holiness before him. He loves us. The Lord wants to give us more than what we realize. But back to point number one, the, to live in the blessing of the awe and wonder. I'm going to have to realize that the fear of the Lord is a requirement. There is a price that I must pay. There is a price. Our God is the king, the creator of all humanity and all mankind. He is the creator of earth and he is not cheap. Meaning he's just going to throw around his power and glory without full allegiance to him. There are blessings that come with this life. I'm going to recap the six that I've given. And then I'll just mention the remaining four that I have. One, we said it is the requirement of God our Father. It is his requirement. If I want, if I want him to express his love for me, if I want to live in his good graces, if I want to live in his fellowship, if I want to live in his overwhelming goodness, it is the requirement. Number two, we said blessing is that it lengthens my life. There's an extension to the number of my days. Beyond taking care of my physical body, that it doesn't wear out and force my spirit out. Beyond that, there is things the scripture tells us, honor mother or father, that it may go well with you on the earth. But to, to lengthen my life, to add to the number of our days, Paul wrote that it is appointed unto man once to die. There is an appointment but he tells us that you can lengthen it by walking in the fear of me, keeping my commandments, walking to where I am, your soul fixation and your focus, walking in such a way that you want to please me above any and everyone else, walking in such a way that you would say, Lord, what would you have me to do here? You, you, you know, uh, um, my, my children, as it pertains to the fear of the Lord, you know, they will ask, they, they will say, uh, or especially my daughter now, she's still a four. She'll be five later this year. But at this stage, she'll come to me and she'll say, Daddy, is this okay if I do this? Is this all right? She's walking in the fear of dad. She wants to make sure that this is okay and this, this is approved behavior in the Tate household. We understand that naturally. 
But sometimes we act as though we don't understand that spiritually. Walking in the fear of the Lord would be like my daughter saying to me, is this okay for me to do, Daddy? It would be us looking at our Heavenly Father and saying, is this okay for me to do? Is this okay for me to say before I say it, for me to tweet, for me to post on Facebook or social media? Is this okay for me to watch? Daddy, is this okay for me to listen to? Daddy, is this okay for me to go to this place? We understand it naturally when we were children and for our children. But we become adults and we think we have this all under control. But yet we say he is our father. He is my heavenly father. And yet too often. We don't run things by him to say, is this okay for me? Is this okay for my life? Is this okay for my household? Is this okay? That's the fear of the Lord. Lord, is this okay for me to spin here? Is this okay for me to go over to this place? Is this okay with you? Because see, What we have to realize that what might have been okay with the father yesterday might not be okay today. What might have been okay four years ago might not be okay today. We're in a new era. It's a new day. What may have been okay in April of 2022 is not okay in April of 2023. And just like my young daughter would say to me or my wife, is this okay? Should not we who say that the God of the universe is my father? John writes in the epistle that we have been made children. We have been given the Honor of being children of God. Shouldn't it be that we say, is is this okay for me to do this? Is this all right? The second blessing, it lengthens life. The third blessing I gave is that it produces the miracle provision of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Daddy, is this all right for me to do this? Daddy, you're you're the main thing upon my life. What would you have me go? What would you have me do? I want to please you. I, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what they say. I don't care how they feel. I care about what you're thinking. Is this okay? Produces the miracle provision of life, of, of the Lord. The fourth thing we said is that it produces divine protection. It will make people who want to do harm turn away from you. Produces divine protection, walking in the fear of the Lord. See, see, sometimes when I take things upon myself, when I'm too arrogant and proud, and the Lord's like, I I don't want you to do that. But you didn't ask me. You just decided you were going to go do it. And then things happened that I I wished hadn't. Maybe if I paused and said, Daddy, is this all right? And he said, no, no, don't do that today. Don't go there. 
don't don't go over to that place today. You, you know, there's this story. Let me tell you this story. I just thought of. Thank you, Holy Spirit, about divine protection. There's this uh, minister, this uh, man of God, whom years ago I heard this story from. I. I don't know much about this man of God right now, other than I know he still has his headquarters here in Texas. He does not have the same visibility as he once did. But years ago, and that man is Mike Murdoch, who told, told this story, if you've ever heard of him and know him. But he told this story about a friend of his who was in ministry, and this friend died in a plane crash. And Mike Murdoch said he was upset with the Lord for a year because of this man of God dying in the plane crash. But when Mike Murdoch finally talked to his wife, the man's widow, and heard the whole story, he understood this man had been on a ministry trip and was preaching. And at the end of it, he was just tired and wanted to get home. Well, he happened to be bumped for his flight, from his flight. They overbooked or whatever. And the man went to the airline counter and it is said that he threw a fit. He was upset that he had been bumped from this flight. And so he threw a fit and basically forced his way onto the flight that the Lord was attempting to stop him from getting on. And if he didn't pause and ask the Lord about it. I wonder how many other people who were on that plane that day didn't listen as well. And he forced his way on this plane as opposed to saying, Daddy, what's going on here? Is there anything that I'm not seeing and no, noticing or I'm missing that this is so difficult right now? And he lost his life prematurely. The, in, the enemy brought premature death that day. Who knows what it was stopped because of it. Divine protection, the blessing of the fear of the Lord. Daddy, is it okay? You know, daddy, should, should I be talking about this or should I just let it go? Daddy, should I just wait for the next flight? What, what, Lord? The fifth thing we said is that it produces purity in my life that forever stands. The sixth thing that I gave a blessing of living in the awe and wonder of God is it gives me access to my father's secrets. And here are the last four quickly. It gives me the fixed attention of the Lord. Ah, Psalm 33, 18. And I don't have time to go into it, but it gives me the fixed attention. The Lord's eyes being fixed upon me. I begin to matter to the Lord. What happens to me matters in a different way. Fixed attention of the Lord. Number eight, it grants me deliverance and angelic protection. Goes along with the divine protection. But deliverance, Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him to deliver them. Number nine. It draws the mercy of God into my life. Psalm 103, 17. Every one of us needs the mercy of God. Peter says that the righteous are barely saved. Barely making it. 
And he says, and if the righteous are barely saved, what shall be the end of those who are on the outside? Every one of us need to thank daily the Lord for his mercy. For his giving me, not giving me what I deserve, but having compassion for me. That's the fear of the Lord. It draws his mercy to me. And number 10. And of course, this list is nowhere near exhaustive. There are so many more in the scriptures, but it produces the wisdom of God in my life. Psalm 111 verse 10 and Job 28, 28. It produces the wisdom of God in my life. I pray tonight that we got something out of the word because it was my desire. I believe it was the Lord's heart and his desire to provoke us to want to walk in this fear of him because there are benefits and blessings that the Lord is attempting to get to us. He is not asking us to restrict our life here on this earth just because he wants to see us suffer. No, no. He wants us to restrict our lives that we might enjoy his goodness, his benefits, and his blessings all the days of our life. So, Father, we love you tonight. And I thank you for the assignment that you've given me. And I pray that your Holy Spirit caused it to land right where it needed to land. That you caused it to prick, to pierce, to encourage, to uplift right where it needed. And that your sons and daughters' hearts would be drawn into deeper fellowship with you. I pray, Lord, that on this night, the sons and daughters that will allow you to illuminate areas of their life and heart that have not been lived in the fear of you and that you would give them the grace, the ability to turn that area back into lockstep with you, back into proper alignment with you, that we might walk in the fear of you in the days that are ahead. I thank you for the privilege, the honor that has been bestowed upon me. I thank you for the grace that you've given me. And I thank you for this night and what you have done that the half of it will not be known until days later. But bring your sons and your daughters to you that they might walk with you in great goodness and great glory and great power and great majesty in this earth in the years, in the days, in the weeks, in the months that are ahead. I thank you and I give you praise. I give you honor and I give you glory now. In Jesus' name, amen. Minister.